greetings to you all in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I bring greetings to you all uh, from all our churches in Sri Lanka. And uh, this is our, my privilege and my, it's a blessing to be with you once again. Probably it's my third time here. And I am seeing some new faces. I am really thankful to God for the saving grace in your life. So whenever I see new people, I immediately thank God for their wonderful, wonderful work of salvation in their lives. Being saved is the greatest thing in our life. Amen. Yes, that's a more, nothing more than that in this life. So uh, thank you very much for kind invitation, Brother Steve and Brother Jarab. Gerard. Okay. So, okay. Uh, okay. We call him Sri Lanka Gerard, you know. So, yeah, so uh, the elders and the brothers, sisters, and uh, uh, thank you for your prayers, intercession, and your petitions and supplications on our behalf before the throne of grace. We very much value that. We appreciate that. We are very grateful to your intercession because people will ask me, what can we do for you? First of all, I say, please pray. That will do everything and anything. So thank you for your prayers and practical support, your gifts and fellowship, uh, which is very useful in the ministry in Sri Lanka to build his kingdom, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ every nook and corner of Sri Lanka. So thank you very much. <coughs> so I'm going to... Uh, I still remember Sister Rene is here. His father would say whenever he was taking me years back in Pennsylvania and New York State, please hearken, you know, your ear. Murali is going to speak in Sri Lankan English. Okay. <laughs> so he will tell. So you have to be cautious, you know, you have to be alert, extra alert to understand. Um, because uh, English is our second language. So we, uh, if I am wrong, please forgive me. So one day one... English teacher was teaching in the class. For him also English second language and the students also second language. At that time, the school inspector suddenly, uh, you know, entered the classroom and there was no electricity uh, in that class. And uh, he asked one of the students, hey, what is the problem? Why are you in the dark? He said, sir, there is no electricity. But... <laughs> No electricity, sir. He was angry because it is English class. He called the English master. Hey, you are teaching English? What is this happening? How is he pronouncing? Oh, sir, you don't know. This boy is coming from a very low socio-economic background. He's not much educated. He can't speak because he has no capacity, sir. <laughs> So that's what we speak sometimes, English, you know. So, okay. Hope you will have capacity to understand what I'm going to tell, okay. Uh, thank you very much once again. So I'm going to speak on the most important but neglected, some, in some places abandoned subject of discipleship, actually. Once we are married... 
you know, in, in our culture, they're like, are you going to marry? Oh, yes. Once you are married, the next question we'll ask, any children? And uh, those who are married will always, unless it is God's sovereign plan, we all want to have children. No one wants to die as a barren. That is a natural expectation, you know. No one wants, unless it is God's specific plan for a certain couple. I know all over the world, they are a beautiful, godly couple. They had no children. It was God's sovereign plan for them. For, for some good purpose, God has thought like that. So, exception, there are exceptions. So, normally, when you, after marriage, we won't have children. We don't want to be barren. But, unfortunately, as Christian, many people are barren. They have no spiritual children, to name few. You are going to die now. Someone is, going, someone is asking, brother, you have got any spiritual ch- children? If you go and ask someone, they should say, he's my spiritual father. He nurtured me. He mentored me. He guided me. He led me. He admonished me. He prayed for me. He prayed with me. He's my spiritual father. Is there anyone in your life who can point out, who can refer to you and say, he's my spiritual father? Or otherwise we'll be dying as a spiritual barren people. Okay. So, so discipleship, a forgotten subject in a busy Christian world. Okay. It's, it's good. Having many children is good. But most of the children are malnutrition. That is not good. I have five children. You may have six or seven children. It's good. You know, as many children as possible. It is good to have. But if they are malnutrition, if they, like Somalia, Sudan children, you know, Ethiopia, Eritrea, when you look at them, they are with bone and skin. Not a pleasant looking, you know, scene at this when you look at them. So we are producing believers continuously. It's good. But we are not making them disciples. That is bad. Because one of the greatest commandments, you know, Jesus Christ, before he departed to be with his father, he said, go ye and make disciples. So this commandment, not only for the apostles or first century Christians, it is for us here and now. So some people think it was for apostles or it was for the New Testament, first century Christians. That's why they don't make disciples. They think it belongs to them. Some of the reformed people, one or two people said, it was, you know, it belonged to the first century people or the apostles. So then are we not to make any disciples? So we need to be very careful. We have babies, many babies, but they are not healthy. Because they are not disciples. So we need to make disciples. It's very, very important. Before that, I would like to ask, does Old Testament teach anything about discipleship? We see plenty of terms, phrases about disciples, discipleship, the New Testament. Does Old Testament anywhere speak about the discipleship? Yeah. So the concept is there. Okay. The principle is there. Moses trained Joshua. Joshua trained whom? 
because there was a vacuum after Yoshua, people started going on their own way. Whatever you know, they thought good, they were doing. Because there was no man to lead them after Yoshua. So Moses trained Yoshua, but Yoshua trained him. So someone trained you, but whom you are training? I was trained in India, thank God. I was trained in Sri Lanka in Youth for Christ for two years. Then I was trained, mentored in India. So God has commanded us because we are trained, we are nurtured, we are mentored by someone, then in turn we had to go and do so. But are we doing that? That is the question. If I ask you an honest question, how many disciples we have developed or created by now? Can you say, for the glory of God, he is my disciple or she is my disciple, for the glory of God, humanly speaking? Someday we may be making our own disciples, you know. One day D.L. Moody, he was coming in the train. So someone was intoxicated and he said, Moody, I am your disciple. <laughs> I am your disciple. So he said like that, you know. Then Moody said, no doubt you are my disciple because if you were the disciple of Jesus Christ, you would not be behaving like this. <laughs> you are my disciple. Because we are producing disciples of our kind, you know. But we need to make the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the important thing. But before that, one question. If you could tell me without looking into a Bible or phone or gadgets, is there a word disciple in the Old Testament? If you could tell me first, you will be rewarded with Salangan chocolate. <laughs> but you had, without looking into your Bible, you should say, is, is there a word called disciple in the Old Testament? You can raise your hand and say, without looking your Bible. Oh, you know, nowadays you can search the word and you will get it. <laughs> Is there a word disciple in the Old Testament? Or is it a lost concept or is it a forgotten subject in the Old Testament? Is there a word? Is there a word? One more, okay. One more minute. Is, pardon? You don't think so. But you can think. That's good. The concept is there, just as he said. I'm asking, is there a word, disciple? Jesus said, go and make disciple. So, is there a word, disciple, in the Old Testament? Best chocolate in the world, Sri Lankan chocolate. <laughs> you know. Don't miss it. There are concepts that he said, you know, Elijah, Elisa, Moses, Joshua, there are concepts, they were training. And the school of prophets in Samuel, we say, they were training, they were mentoring, this concept is there. One and only verse is there. One and only verse, only one word. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 16, you can read that. Bind up the testimony. 
Seal the law among my disciples. Isaiah 8.6. So there are concepts in the Old Testament also. Okay. People were following Yahweh directly or through prophets or through priest. So they are called disciples. Is there a Bible? Is there a word? You can read it. Am I right or wrong? Isaiah 8.16. Brother, can you read that? Bind up the testimony. Seal the teaching among my disciples. Among my disciples. So there's a concept in the Old Testament also. Okay. Then what is the best place? Before making others disciples, we should be honestly asking, am I a disciple of Jesus Christ? Am I... Am I a true disciple of Jesus Christ? If I am a disciple only, I can make others disciple. If I am not fit to be called disciple, how can I make others disciple? If I am not converted, then how can I ask others to be converted? If I don't, if I did not accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, how can I ask others to accept Christ? That is hypocrisy. Because I didn't accept so if I am, I myself am not a true disciple of Jesus Christ, I cannot think of making others disciple. First, we must examine ourselves whether we are true disciples or not. So I am going to talk on five points. Who is a true disciple? Okay. Five points of, Cal- not Calvinism, but five points of discipleship. Okay. Right. <clears throat> but before that, so I know the introduction. What is the best place for you to make disciples? Parents? Family. My wife is my disciple. My children are my disciple. I nurture my wife. I teach my wife. I teach my children. That's what we have, family altar. The family altar is the best place for dada and mama to teach your children systematically, regularly, theologically. Why? My children are now out, they are big now. But when we are having small children, by the grace of the Lord, we could teach them. We will come as a family. Someday it will take one, one and a half hours for us to take, because we all seven will be praying, and uh, I'll be teaching, they'll be singing. I can't sing, so they'll be singing, and uh, I'll be teaching. So, uh, so, by God's grace, don't sisters... You don't need to think, I have no time to go out and make disciples. No, your children can become your true disciples. And you can nurture them. You can make them godly men and women of God. And you can send them out. So you don't need to be thinking low of, you know, oh, I, am, I don't have time to go out and, you know. No, no. If you have ten children, ten are your disciples. What a great joy. Train them, nurture them, teach them, and make them love Christ, and send them into the society to preach the gospel, to stand for Christ, to talk about Christ. That's the best place, you know. Right. So, it's very interesting. Genesis 18, 19, God's expectation of Abraham was very high. I really admire, because God was telling, Genesis 18, 19, I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him 
to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. So God knew Abraham would teach not only his children to the household, maid servants or maid girls or you know whoever it is in that house. God knew very well. So does God have that expectation? Parents, can God say, Mr. and Mrs. so and so, I know that he will teach them, he will train them, he will nurture their children and they will make them fear before me, their children. Can God say of us as he said to Abraham? So that is a real challenge. Oh, he'll be spending a lot of time with on TV or internet or computer or so many social issues, economic issues, political issues. But we seldom spend time with the children on spiritual issues. Because the world is evil, diabolic, deadly. So as parents, we have the great, not to the Sunday school teacher, you cannot abdicate your responsibility to the Sunday school teacher. No, you are the parents. You have the sole responsibility. One day God will hold you responsible. If you don't teach your children properly, you have to spend quality time with them. Oh, I know a lot of parents spend watching TV, baseball, or basketball, football. That's good, fine. But you spend time qualitatively teaching how to teach, how to pray, how to share the gospel. Do you teach them? Yeah. So it's very important. So I was really impressed with Abraham. How much the Lord had good expectation of him. So <clears throat> anyway. So why discipleship is important? Why is discipleship important? First of all, it is the commandment of God. When it is a commandment of God, we have to take it seriously. It is not an option. It is a commandment. So if we don't obey the commandment, then that will become sin. Sin of omission. We are not making disciples in a sense. We are violating the last commandment of God. Someone said, the last commandment of God should become our first concern. The last commandment of God before he departed to be with his father, he commanded them, no? The last commandment, last wish of God should be our first concern. Because it was said last, for many people it is last. The bottom list. No, his last commandment should become our first concern for the church, for the family, for individual. Okay. Then second, why is discipleship important? To create future leadership. If there are no disciples, then there will be no leaders. See, all the leaders are disciples. But not all the disciples are leaders. But all the leaders are disciples. So if you want to have leaders in your church, in the Christian community, in the Christian congregation, then you have to make disciples. So otherwise, there will be vacuum. So in, in, in Japan, they say, uh, you know, they don't, 
have many children and the youngsters they are you know they are dying all, all the people are elderly so there will be vacuum in future for leadership that's what church should keep on producing like a machine disciples disciple machine you know machine you should we keep on producing disciple machine it's good we are producing children that's good physical children biological children we should produce spiritual children too then we want a vacuum for the godly leaders in the future but when the steve is gone jarrod is gone you know i am gone who will be taking the leadership we need to create the leaders disciples you know yeah that's good okay i'm going to go very fast who is a true disciple five points okay right number 1 devotion to christ the whole hearted devotion one who has got whole hearted devotion to christ can be a true disciple okay undivided attention we call undivided heart that's what jesus said you know matthew 22 verse 37 to 39 he says you shall love the lord your god with all your heart all your soul all your mind all your strength all your energy why is the adjective all 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 because god knows our nature our half card will be to the world other half will be to god not wholly devoted no we are not whole hearted disciple half hearted disciple or quarter hearted disciple or one eighth hearted disciple god wants us to be whole hearted disciple my whole love belongs to god my whole life is for god not 99.999 no 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 100% my heart belongs to god i am purchased by the precious blood of the lamb i belong to him 100% not my wish not my will not my ambition not my selfish ambition but whatever god says i am on the altar of the will of god he can do anything and everything with me here am i lord my life belongs to you i am consecrated for you you do me whatever you want to do with me god is a sovereign god supreme god good god gracious god almighty god so he will do good for us some people are scared if i say something like that god might do something no that may not good for me Oh, that's, oh, we had to hold something for us. No, no, no. Leave everything to God. He left everything and came down. So that we may be with him. So for him, let us dedicate ourselves. Lord, here am I. Let your will be done in my life. Not my will or not my family's will or not my grandma's, grandma's will or grandpa's will or not my... you will be done so whole hearted you know that's what very important there was a young marxist he had he had a girlfriend but he became marxist or uh, you know lenin marxist and all communist and all then he was involved in party activities he dedicated himself wholly to the communist party then his girlfriend came and asked hey you have no time for me always party 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 communist party this party that you know meeting 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 you are going there and all so after some time he wrote a letter 
I am very sorry. I am leaving you. I have decided to dedicate my whole life to Marxist party. Because I dedicated my life to Marxist party, my body, my soul, my mind, everything, I have no time to give to you. I am so sorry I am leaving. See that person, because he is wholly dedicated, devoted to Marxist party, that he left his girlfriend whom he had loved so much. Are you ready to do so for Christ Jesus? Or are you holding this? Are you holding this? Both, it's very difficult to serve two masters. To serve the world, to serve Christ. Impossible. Okay. So in your devotion, you should be very careful about your prayer life. A true disciple is a man of prayer, man of word. No compromise on that. If you are not man of prayer, if you are not man of word, then don't talk about discipling others. If you are not setting an example to the person whom you are discipling and mentoring and nurturing, example, you can talk a lot, theoretically, abstract, you know, you can talk thousand, thousand and one books are here on discipleship. But if you are not setting an example, if you are not sharing the gospel, if you are not talking about Jesus Christ, but he, you, if you want him to speak about Jesus Christ, then he should see you speaking about Jesus Christ. That's a devotion. Second one, the determination. So true disciple is strongly determined to follow Jesus Christ at any cost, any time. Not that it is convenient for me, I will follow. If it is inconvenient for me, ah, I will leave that option. No, no, no. Some people, they want to follow Christ when it is convenient for them. For instance, if you are in a position to tell, tell a lie, but it will bring a lot of consequences, what are you going to do? Are you going to tell lies and avoid that consequences? Are you going to speak the truth and face the consequences? If you are a true disabled, what would you do? Sometimes we compromise our conviction for convenience sake. Simply they tell lies and go. And they think they are escaped. But God is not honored. We have sinned against God. You know, in Daniel chapter 3 verse 16, Shatrach, Meshach, Abednego. Outstanding character in the Old Testament. Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, you should understand this. We will never worship this idol. Please be reminded. God will save us from this fire. Even if God is not going to save us from this fire, we will never worship this idol. God will grant me. God will provide me. God will look after me. But even if God is not going to do so, I am not going to bow down before the world, before anti-Christian thoughts, or before anything that is against God. I know God will look after me. I know God will care for me. I trust. But even if he's not going to do, I'm not going to do anything that is against Christ. That is the true disciple. So they determined. You know the story, what happened? They were thrown. Were they burnt? No. 
there was a fourth one was there. You know, but they, you know, Bible says, I will honor those who honor me. I will dishonor those who dishonor me. So the determination, anytime, you know, even if, you know, Job said, let him slay me, yet I believe in him. Let him kill me. Let him kill my family, wife and children. Let everything be gone. Yet, by God's grace and mercy, I will follow him for what he is and for he is, what he has done in and through Jesus Christ for me. Whatever may happen, by God's grace and by God's mercy, I will follow him. That is the, that kind of determination we need. Now church is bowing before LGBT, abortionism, you know, living together. So much immorality. No, church should take stand. Even if we are put into jail, no problem. ARF, all the people are put into jail, no problem. We will be having service there, meeting. No problem. But we will not bow down any anti-Christian, anti-biblical ideas or views. No compromise. Let my life be taken away. You know, that's where we have to set our face like flint. Just as Jesus, before he was going to Jerusalem, he set his face like flint. Apostle said, very clearly they told, they were timid people. When they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they became bold. They said, it is better to obey Christ than Joel Biden. Then the government, any anti-Christian government, it is better to obey Christ first than any anti-Christian ideas or dogma or doctrine or anything, any Isa. They were bold. God used them. The Holy Spirit fell upon them. They went about and preached the gospel and shook the world because they had determination. Your determination will direct your destination. It will decide your destination. Third one, the detachment. True disciple will have been detached from the world. There is no connection for him with the world. You know, if you are attached to Christ, you will be naturally detached from the world. But if you are attached to the world, naturally you will be detached from Christ. The true disciple is a man or woman who will be always attached to Christ and God detached himself from the worldly fashion, worldly ideas. The world is full of evil, the Bible says. You know, if you want to be attached to Christ, then get detached from the world and your own flesh. The Bible says, if you love the world, then the love of the Father is not in you. If you are worldly in your vision, mission, attitude, outlook, motivation and intention, then you cannot be true disciples of Jesus Christ. You cannot serve the world and you cannot serve Christ. You know, in Sri Lanka we say it's like putting one, one leg on one boat and other leg on other boat. Will you have to travel? You cannot travel practically. So you want to serve the Lord, you want to please the Lord, you want to follow the world, you want to be sympathetic toward the world. And you want to follow Christ. Not possible, brothers and sisters. You have to follow Christ or world. 
Elijah was telling, if Baal is God, then follow Baal. If Jesus Christ is God, then follow Jesus Christ. No, there's no neutral place. No neutral place. So if you are, so that's what you have to get, you know, Bible is talking about the world, you know. 1 John 2.15 says, don't love the world, not the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. The world is full of evil, full of another satanic, demonic ideas. It is increasing nowadays. Church should stand. Nothing, we have got nothing to do with the world. No. Anything, I am, what I am saying is any ism, any ism, agnosticism or atheism or new ageism or postmodernism or whatever ism, if it is contrary to the Bible, reject it. No attachment with that idea. No. It may be promoted by great, great scientist or intellectual or allied. I don't care if it is anti-Christian, anti-biblical, detached from it. No. Yeah. There's a lot of verses, I have no time. I'm going to the fourth point. The denial. A true Christian is dead to himself. True disciple is dead to himself. He has denied himself. Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. In, in our Tamil version it says, Let him hate himself. Let him hate himself. And take up the cross. And follow me. Okay. And uh, he said clearly. Uh, Luke 14, 27. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me. Cannot be my disciple. Luke 14, 13, 14, Luke 14, 33 says. In the same way. Those of you who do not give up anything. You have. You cannot be my disciples. The Lord is telling a lot of things. You know. You know? And Mark 8, 34. And he had called the, the people unto him with his disciples also. He said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up cross and follow me. The question is, are you dead to yourself? Have you denied yourself? What is denying ourselves? What is hating ourselves? Going and hanging? If you hate yourself, what people do when they hate their life? They go and hang. They commit suicide. No, no, no. Jesus doesn't prescribe that. Jesus is not telling that. That means... If there is anything in your life that comes between God and you, deny that. What about my wife is coming between me and God? If your girlfriend is coming in between you and God, what will you do? You will deny Christ or you will deny your girlfriend or boyfriend? Some people deny Christ and they went after the girlfriend, boyfriend, and they marked their lives. They spoiled their life. Gone. No address. Before my marriage, I talked to my wife very, I mean, that would be wife very clearly. I am going to resign my job one day. I was, you know, by God's grace, well-paid, permanent and pensionable job, we call it in Sri Lanka. So I am going to resign my job. I will become kind of vagabond sojourners, you know. So, I may have to sleep on the floor, on the road. And, you know, <laughs> so many things I said. So, if you marry me, you have to deny yourself. You have to forfeit, you know, so many privileges and, you know, um, blessing. Are you ready? Had she said no, 
I would have never married her by the grace of God. I asked her very clearly because my ministry is this. I will resign my job. I want to serve the Lord full time because God has been calling me from above. This is my calling. Unless he, has she not complied with me. So, you know, many people, they lost their ministry, they lost their calling, they lost their mission, mission, because they wanted to honor the human beings than God. No. So, deny all your selfish ambitions. Deny your boss. Deny your colleagues. Deny your kith and kin. You know, when I was converted, oh, my, my kith and kin, they will kill you by their words. They will be scoffing, teasing, mocking. They will not beat you, but they will beat you with their words. Terrible words, they will say. Hey, you why did you go there? Did they give some rice to you? Did they, you know, oh, are you in love with Christian girl? You sold our religion and going. See, had I, had I not denied myself, if I was not dead to myself, then, oh, right, 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 okay. They are telling something, so I had to be very careful. Okay, I should keep my honor, dignity and all, no? What dignity we have? Except the dignity of being a wretched sinner. So if you think you are somebody, you will have a lot of problem. If you think you are nobody, no problem. <laughs> or less problem. If you think you are somebody, oh, what would they do? What would they say to me? If they hurt me, if they offend me, if they think bad about me, oh, what can I do? I am somebody. <laughs> You are not somebody, you are nobody. So if you think you are nobody, you will have no problem. You will share the gospel, you won't be afraid of anyone, anything. If you love yourself, you will lose the love of Christ. If you love your life, Jesus said, very ironically, you will lose it. But if you hate your life for the sake of Jesus Christ, you will get it. Forever and ever, not only here, forever and ever. Yeah. Jesus said beautifully, some of the, Jesus' words are very beautiful, very in-depth, you know. You want to love yourself, then you will lose it. You want to keep it, you will lose it. You want to give it up, you will get it, here and there. So that's what Jesus, uh, if you want to be a true disciple, then you have to deny, you have to hate, you should be dead to yourself. That's all. The last one. The true disciple is a defeater. Defeater of anything and everything, any sins, or every sin that besets him. That is, in, in other words, he is an overcomer. He is an overcomer. He will not be defeated by any sins. Rather, he will defeat every sin, every temptation, whether it is sexual or financial or famous. Become, you know, try to become famous. Any temptation, he will keep on defeating. Because you cannot avoid being tempted until you go into the grave. You will be facing temptation throughout your life. So throughout your life, you should be, keep on defeating. Defeating, defeating, defeating the sin. A true disciple cannot be a defeated person in his own spiritual secret life. Are you a strong man? People may be strong outwardly, externally, but they, 
They may be living a defeated life. Anger, jealousy, bitterness, anger, racism, communism, you know, soulism, you know, sexual sin, financial sin, internally they will be defeated. No, true disciple can never be so. Externally he is successful, externally he is an overcomer, internally too he is an overcomer. Satan cannot come and criticize him. Hey, you have got something inside. You are being defeated very often. You look like very spiritual when you preach, teach, and when you sing and dance and all. But hey, internally what you are doing, you are keeping on being defeated. You are wallowing in jealousy, bitterness, anger, or kind of envy, or pride, or boasting, bragging. But you look like a saint. No, no, no. Outwardly or inwardly, a true disciple is an overcomer. Let me, any kinds of sin that would come and tempt him, he will overcome by the grace of God, by the power of God, by the spirit of God. True disciple. Now he can disciple others because he is determined, he is devoted, he is detached, he is strong. Is defeating sins. Sin is not defeating him. In, the, in a true Christian life, sin is not defeating them. They are defeating sin. So that is one. So brothers and sisters, we want to be disciple makers, then we must first be disciples. Then we can make others. Then people will, we don't need to preach. We don't need to uh, teach. They will look at our life. They will look at our family life. They will look at our practical life. They will look at our evangelism life. And they, they will understand more. They will, learn, they will learn more better by example than instruction from our life. You know? So, <coughs> there are five points. You know? What are the five points? Devotion, determination, detachment, denial, and defeating, defeater. Then you can be true disciple for Jesus Christ. At any time, at any cost, you are dead. You are willing to obey Christ. What may come, what may go, no problem. By the grace of the Lord. That's what he said. Before we go and make disciples, we should ourselves be disciples. May the Lord God help us to become true disciples of Jesus Christ for his glory. And in turn, we can make others disciples. Shall we bow down and think of ourselves? Am I a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Do we express or exhibit the characteristics of true disciples in my life? Am I making disciples? Who are my disciples? I am a disciple. If I am a disciple, then whom I am making a disciple? When we die, can someone and tell some testimony? He, she was my spiritual mother. He was my spiritual father. He mentored me. He nurtured me. He directed me. He guided me. He taught me. Oh, what a great joy that testimony will be for the glory of God. When people come around our dead body, and say, oh, he was like a father to me. 
She was like a mother to me. What a great joy. We can listen to their testimony from heaven. That will be for the glory of God. Let the church of Christ stand up and be true disciples and make disciples for the glory of God. Our Heavenly Father, we come into your presence. Jesus said, John 15, 5, Apart from me, you can do nothing. In our own flesh, in our own strength, we can do nothing. But with you, we can do everything and anything, Lord our God. So thank you for the power and the wisdom and the anointing of the Spirit of God so that we can stand for you as a good disciples, true disciples, O oh Lord, would help us, first of all, to demonstrate, to manifest the characteristic of true discipleship in our life, first, Lord, our God. Then, O oh Lord, our God, please help us go and make disciples, big or small, black or white, educated or uneducated, literate or illiterate, Whoever it is, Lord, give us people so that we can make them disciples. We can expand the kingdom of God. We can establish the church of God. Because Jesus' last commandment should become our first concern, our Heavenly Father. We ask you to help us until your son comes or until we depart from this body and to be with you. Let us run this race faithfully, sincerely, in a God-pleasing manner till we reach home, Father. Help us be faithful to your word and to your calling and to your commandment. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we ask all these things, our Heavenly Father. Amen. This message was produced by the New Testament Reformation Fellowship, reforming today's church with New Testament church practices. Permission is hereby granted for you to reproduce this message. You can find us on the web at www.ntrf.org. May God bless you as you seek to follow Him in complete obedience to His Word. May your faith in the Lord Jesus be strengthened and your daily walk with Him deepened.